Welcome to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Corey. I'm Kelly, and we are the Picture Books to Gang. We invite you to join us here every other week while we discuss amazing books and issues in children's literature, as well as early literacy, education, and parenting as it relates to reading. We can't wait to dig in deep and get nerdy about picture books with you. Hello, and welcome back to the Picture Books to Gang podcast, where we are now in episode two of season two. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Corey. I'm Kelly. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Allie, and my pronouns are she, they. Mine are she, they, too. So now that we all know who all of us are, let's hop into the very large topic, all the puns intended, of today's episode, which is fat phobia in picture books and where are all the fat people in picture books luckily you may have seen Allie's beautiful post a few days ago about this very topic and i know she has some great stats to throw at you so without any further ado let's figure this out so yeah so if you follow us on instagram uh which i hope you do (laughs) if not hit that follow um i just called (laughs) yeah I do something called uh, li- hashtag librarian fight club about once a week. And this past week now um, I did, where are all the fat people in picture books? And this was something that the three of us were just kind of talking about last week. And we we're like, whoa, hold on a second. Where are all the fat people? And, you know, so then I went into this bigger dive in trying to find them and and learning more about fat phobia in our society and everything is connected and it is blowing my mind especially considering like two out of three american adults are considered overweight by the medical system so given that most people are fat why can't we find any of them in picture books? And what does that mean? This is something that, you know, as, as a fat person, as a plus-sized human being for my whole life, I've always noticed. And it's something I've made an effort to point out in my reviews. And if you are paying close attention, uh, very close attention, because it's few and far between when I'm even able to point it out, Um, I do point it out even when it is not the central focus of a book that there is a fat character, but there is just, there's so few. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I understand that as a person who grew up fat, that there's just no mirror. Most children that would be made fun of at school for being fat, because I think one of the things that we're going to delineate here is the fact that BMI as an indicator of being overweight is a bunch of baloney. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're actually a child who's made fun of for being fat, it actually appears fat rather than being medically overweight. You, you have a lot of shame that's carried with that. And then there's absolutely no media at all that exists that has a positive representation of your body back. The only representation you get is as comic relief or as um, these very serious, mature old women. That's about it. Yeah, it's a, it, very, very few books 
And when we do find them, they're always grandmotherly type characters, as we will point out to you. And one of the reasons that this seems to be the case, there are a few studies that track diversity of representation in picture books. um, And one of them is by Cooperative Children's Book Center. And they look at disability representation, LGBTQ representation, you know, um, Black, Indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander. But one thing they aren't tracking is fat people. It's really puzzling to me why that wouldn't be on anyone's radar, considering when we're looking at Black folks, technically 59% of non-Hispanic Black women are considered obese. So how can you have Black representation and be saying, okay, this is Black representation when you're only going to be drawing thin people? It doesn't make sense. There's just this whole blind spot when we're talking about fat representation and the fact that it's invisible. And part of that problem, I think, might be this whole idea of glorifying obesity which um, is, is definitely something that gets said a lot. I totally agree with you. I think it does get said a lot. And I also think we, of course, don't have time to fully unpack this, but let's just start with some truths that the BMI is rooted in anti-Blackness and it also does not signify somebody's health status whatsoever. And in fact, Fat phobia in general is uh, rooted in Mm anti-Blackness. And if you're interested, you can read the book Fearing the Black Body, which will be in the notes down below. And that discusses more about that. And I'll just pull out the factoid that I know that that Corey loves, which is that the BMI was invented by an astronomer. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not a health indicator. It was invented around the time of phrenology and a bunch of weird pseudosciences that were created by white men in the name of separating whiteness from blackness and and glorifying a standard of a white male body. So there are multiple layers to that issue in that it completely disregards anybody that is not white. It completely disregards anyone that is not assigned male at birth, which means that women are almost always weighted as being uh, a higher BMI due to the fact that we're not as tall as men as a rule. There's like so many issues when you actually break it down that it's actually criminal that any healthcare systems use BMI as any kind of an indicator. So um, then you get into the levels of BMI and the words that they use to associate with it, which, you know, we're all familiar with obese and morbidly obese, but then you get into super morbidly obese and things like that. Like the words are designed to make you think that the person is going to drop dead at any moment. So all that can possibly do is create negative connotations with anybody that is not hyper thin. And there is, of course, also the conflation with a hyper thin body structure as a pillar of health, as mm-hmm. somebody that needs to be, um, I don't quite know if sanctified is the right word, but you know, they need to be uh, rewarded yeah. for this because clearly they're doing something right. So if we have all of this nonsense 
swirling all around in our cultural soup, it's sort of no wonder that we don't see this reflected positively in picture books. And then we get into the culture around children and healthiness. So, and I, and I think that'll lead Allie into the next part. Well, that actually, one of the big things with this um, is, is back to the whole idea of, okay, so people believe the BMI is like a legitimate thing. People believe that health, like low weight equals good health. And part of this also then becomes, okay, anybody who is, has a high, you know, their BMI is not good. Anyone who is fat, they are unhealthy. There is a certain association of morality that now comes into it Mm -hmm. and choice. There is this belief that people who are fat, this is like a lifestyle choice that, you know, they, you know, they know what they should be doing and they've made choices to stay fat, to become fatter. And so unlike a lot of other things that we look at when we're talking about diversity, when it comes to being fat, people are seeing this as a morality, as a lifestyle choice. And there is um, a lot of dispute around fat positivity and the body acceptance movement because people who are who are very into the BMI is everything are saying, no, you shouldn't accept that your fatness, it is wrong. And to accept it is essentially, you know, is glorifying obesity. Anything that could be saying that, oh, it's okay to be fat is often attacked as glorifying obesity. And that is when we get into children's media. And this strange um, invisibility of fatness. And I think part of it is this avoidance of that whole issue. You get into things like um, healthy food choices and, uh, and, and putting this morality on children on if they should be allowed to have a piece of cake after dinner or if they should stick with their salad and things like that. And the, the obesity crisis in children and bah, 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 bah. all these sensational headlines that I think we're all used to seeing and hearing. And the problem is it doesn't take into account how resource the community that child lives in is or their family um, income levels, food deserts. I'm not even gonna, that's a whole other episode that we could get into, but access to food and, and resources and money is a huge portion of that. Genetics is a whole other piece, um, that can't be ignored. And, and at the end of the day, more and more actual medical professionals, professionals, not astronomers, are saying that we can all be healthy at any size. And this is actual science, not Instagrammers. And, and that's, that's something really important to remember. That doesn't mean that fat people are not discriminated against at the doctor, because certainly I have been many times. And it doesn't mean that we as fat humans don't have all kinds of internalized fat phobia that we have to work through on a daily basis. And that society isn't completely filled with fat phobia at absolutely every single turn. But what can we do as people who are raising small humans? uh, What can we do to combat that societal expectation, that idealized 
thinness and and how can we bring more positive representation into children's media, particularly picture books, because that's that's our favorite thing. And, you know, one of the things I think we noticed very quickly is that there's no representation, but when there is representation, it's one particular type of book. With all of the books that we've looked through and a lot of suggestions that people have given us, there seem to be two, well, really two types of books. So number one is the please don't develop an eating disorder type book or body books, um, where it's basically like, here are a bunch of bodies. They're all good bodies. Okay, good night. There's not really a story that's that they're, is what they're it is. special topic books. They're special topic a very, books. Thank a you. very special episode of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bodies. <laughs> um, so like the bare naked book, which actually my toddler really likes this book. Uh it's really well done. The bare naked book is a beautiful book, and it, it came out in the 80s and it's been redone and they've updated the illustrations. And I think, you know, when I reviewed it, one of the most remarkable things to me was that it had people of all ages and all sizes and not just all sizes, but with actual lumps and rolls and stretch marks and like bodies that actually look like mine, scars and disabilities and hair of every color, like, you know, and, and every race and sexuality and, and trans humans and all of it. There's, I've never seen a book that has such thoughtful inclusions, not just tokenisms, like really, truly concrete, thoughtful inclusions. And, you know, that's when I want to buy a book that's about bodies and body parts and all of that and gender and and those sort of things. That's what I want to see when I see naked kids in a book, rather than the stick figure humans Mm-hmm. Here is a boy who has short brown hair, and here's a girl who has two blonde pigtails. That's not human beings to me. <laughs> and eyelashes. Don't forget, eyelashes. all the girls need eyelashes. Boys don't have eyelashes. We no, should always remember that. That's that's what their actual gender binary is. Girls have eyelashes. And boys <laughs> don't. Wow. So, um, so, but they're but they're these like straight, thin figured two bodies right beside each other a boy and a girl there's no in between the bare naked book brings in so much more nuance and one of the most important things to me is seeing this family representation of you know parents that actually look like me in a book that I can then share with my child it's like revolutionary so I do really care about that in that book because that is a book that isn't about fat bodies. It's just about bodies and mm-hmm. includes fat bodies. Then you get into some books that are like all about body diversity. And so the point of that book is then to show thin bodies and fat bodies and disabled bodies. And just, these are a bunch of bodies. It's not about body parts or learning about the body or anything like that. They fall in my heart a little bit more into that tokenism category. So I still have a little bit, like, I love them because there's nothing else, but I also, they don't, they don't thrill me the same way. I'm going to be honest. They don't really do it for me. Well, um, I know they don't do it for you because they're they not about dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, you know, it's just that I need a story. I, I do. And I, I want, I want to see fat kids in a story. 
That's me what too. I want. And Big I know that's time. what you want as well. But it's yeah. just, it's, this is not enough for me. A bunch of naked people lined up in a row <laughs> is not going to be enough for me. And, and also, but however, when I was researching these kinds of books, I found that there's actually a whole bunch of them, just that we haven't read a lot of them. And I looked into it and I could see why. And most of them have bodies and good in the title. And they all look exactly the same, except they've added some wheelchairs. There's just (laughs) there's There's some tokenism. Bodies and then a wheelchair and the same body and there's only one disability and it's having a wheelchair. And (laughs) that I to be clear, because this is a podcast, that's absolute sarcasm because people who use wheelchairs have a variety of different disabilities. (laughs) But it like it's it's prime tokenism and people who have disabilities are only a small percentage wheelchair users and have all kinds of different bodies and and mobility aids. And they're not all girls. And they're not all girls. But for some reason in the picture books, they are always really pretty girls. Because they heard the word intersectionality once and that's what they chose. They were like, oh, intersecting identities. Part of the issue with this is that we know that book publishers are trying to build marketable books so they it's more to their benefit to have an attractive person on the cover when you're talking about body books or even about disability so having a really attractive feminine presenting person using a wheelchair is more marketable to them as a rule because it's pleasing so you know so we we're into this whole issue of marketability and then and then we get into the morality issue of of fat people uh, which I'm going to add that we didn't say at the top of the show, but just say fat, saying fluffy and curvy, just say fat. Fat's the right word. <laughs> and I think that there's a secondary issue, which the three of us have talked about before. Um, and it's that I don't think a lot of illustrators are taught to illustrate fat bodies, especially not in realistic, thoughtful, um, non-comical ways. I think actually you know, looking at these, at these um, illustrations, I think that it might be partly because a lot of these illustrative styles are very cartoony. And how does that translate onto a fat body? Like, is there an immediate like connotations associated with that sort of style? Whereas with something like Jessica Love's style with um, Julian is a mermaid and Julian at the wedding, um, the grandmother in that story. So that's one of the books where there is some great fat representation with his grandmother, who's the stylish, beautiful older woman, like very dignified, big presence. And, but her style of art is very realistic, but also almost like an impressionist painting. Like there's something very beautiful, like a halo around all of it. And would that would that story have translated in like a really cartoony style with the same like feeling? I'm just wondering. I think one of the things that stands out to me about the Julian books is that even though one of our issues as a rule is that the only fat representation tends to be old matronly women cooking or eating um (laughs) one or the other um and that is a difference with the julian books and uh she is very 
beautiful and she carries herself with a lot of grace and um there's just and she's stylish like she's not dowdy she's just a a fat woman who's beautiful like Mm -hmm. just stunning and stunning in in aura and personality and everything and that speaks to the writing it speaks to the illustration style giving her expression in her face and it speaks to the fact that she's not written as being like comedic relief right so and that to me even as we went through all the books that people commented on your post um some of them are amazing books but I still think a lot of them were really playing into this old woman cooking food no matter the art style, some of the art styles are very beautiful. Like, thank you, Omu. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous art style. It's not overly cartoony. It is a very expressionist sort of, but it is still an older woman cooking food and providing food to everyone in the neighborhood. I adore that book. It's just not the same thing. Yeah. Pretty much all of the books that anyone could come up with that had a fat person. And like we said, they are all older ladies they're all about food and even have food in the title. So mm-hmm. like freedom soup, fry bread, what's cooking at 10 garden street, which has a whole selection of people who are kind of quibbling over this. Cause I was like, some of them aren't that old, but they're pretty old. So there's no children. I think would be the major point. There's no children. And some, and all of these are actually beautiful books. They're all beautifully done. And you know, they, dignified the representation is dignified but there's no children for sure now there are a couple of examples where there are fat children in books so a a girl like you is one example by um, Frank Murphy Carla Murphy and illustrated by Kayla Heron Mm -hmm. and that one isn't a body book but it is about like it's not a story either. It's like about it's a it's affirmations and they're beautiful books and they're incredibly well done. And I think Corey will agree with me that Kayla Heron has a very um re she has a very realistic style. Yeah. So every I think every character in that book just has like a lot of life to them. And there are actually fat girls in that book, which is wonderful. I love Kayla Heron's style. So I have only read the books that she's done, like A Boy Like You, A Girl Like You, A Teacher Like You. But every time I open one of those books, I always see people that I have never seen in books before, which Mm. I think is, even though it's not like a narrative story, I think what she's doing with the illustrations is pretty revolutionary because- it's a huge array of just human bodies and none of them are mentioned like what the bodies look like. It's, you know, the affirmation sort of that almost poetry, I guess. Um, I know she's done a handful of other books. I just haven't read any of the other ones. Um, But I can't imagine that her art style would shift dramatically from what she draws in that series versus any of her other books. I think when I open those books, I see more of a representation of like a classroom that actually looks like a real classroom of kids or like, you know, an actual Girl Scout 
troop that has all kinds of different kids, like, you know, a group of kids that I would actually see in my city playing in a schoolyard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that they, they have a diverse uh, representation of their gender presentation of their body size of their race of their ethnicity, and so on and so forth. Well, that actually, that makes me think of the new release Lakshmi's Mooch, which is uh, by Shelly Anand and Mabby H. Ali. And it came out just, I think, last month. Um, it's a just a beautiful story. And it includes bodies of all sizes. And it's about normalizing body hair. But it is an actual narrative story. Yeah. And I think what I find remarkable about that book is it is a story about body body positivity in that like normalizing body hair. But I think the kind of message can be applied to many different types of body positivity. Not only that, but I think what stands out to me is that the illustrator does have more of that cartoony illustrative style Mm -hmm. um, rather than the more realistic style that Kayla Heron has. But he, um, he has given everyone a very distinct body. So there's three main characters and they all have different body shapes. One of them's taller and thinner, you know, they're all different. And I think what I see far too often in that more cartoony illustrative style is that every child in the book has the same body with a different head on top. (laughs) A different color shirt, right? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It it definitely, that is the case. And one of, I think, the really limitations of that kind of style is that it's really hard to do diverse representation when every single person actually is really just the same in slightly different color on every, like, element, you know? But I think Nabby has proven that that doesn't have to be the case. That is true. But you know what? I think that there is something very special about um, but the illustrations in Lakshmi's Mooch. And I think it really, the style goes beyond cartoony for me, I think. it's There's a lot of detail that you don't often see. There's a lot of movement in the lines. It's, there's very organic. It's honestly just, it's just beautiful. And I can't recommend that book enough. So please go buy it. <laughs> Everyone should buy that book. Everyone, including Corey. <laughs> I know I haven't read it yet, but I should. (laughs) There's so many good books to read. So one that's coming out next year, and I think that kind of sparked a lot of this conversation is, uh, or it's coming out in the fall, I should say, um, is Beautifully Me by Nabila uh, Noor. And uh, also by the same illustrator as Laxmi's Moots, by the way. Uh, Nabi's crushing it. Nabi's crushing it. Nabi's had... I think it's going to have three or four books coming out this year total. So, um, so again, that is, I'm going to say, in my opinion, the first own voices fat protagonist book out there. I'm super excited for this book. It's being published by Simon and Schuster and it's coming out soon. September. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, if I could say that I was jazzed about a book this year, I had a long list in the winter. That's my one for the fall. That's like my one for the fall that I'm jazzed about. Well, I did, it's interesting too, because one of the things um, is that this one is about, you know, 
accepting her body, right? It's a like a body acceptance type story. We that's think so, I, but yeah, I, I believe there, so. There is a confidently fat child yeah. on the front cover, which is unheard of. I think that one of the things that has come up while discussing this the last couple of weeks um, in my conversations with uh, Storybook Cook. So if you're not already following at Storybook Hook. She is wonderful. Carly Lynn is a PhD candidate and she is also a bookstagrammer. She focuses on sort of middle readers to what like YA, uh, especially around eating disorders. And this whole account has been part of her own healing process as she uh, recovers from her own eating disorder. So she is very well versed in this whole topic. And there really is a lot more uh, around uh, fatness and body diversity and and the culture around it and dealing with it and, and everything like that in slightly older books, but with picture books, like we can sit here and be like, yeah, that one book that's coming out this September. Yeah. And that is it. It's, it's, honestly very odd it's tough and i know this is something that carly lynn could speak to with much more authority i'm speaking from a place of like just existing in a fat body on a day-to-day basis <laughs> and and longing for that representation i think it's coming but i think part of that is that the body positivity movement has gained a lot of speed in the last two years like very short period of time part of the reason that it has gained a lot of speed is that it's been co-opted by a lot of thin white women. Um, and that is tough to see because that is again, taking the spotlight away from fat humans <laughs> when all of these thin women have kind of co-opted the body positivity movement. So now it's like, okay, well, let's get a few fat kids out there in, in some media, but I don't, I don't know that that's enough. Uh, and one of the points that I know that Allie will drive home until the last day of her life is that she wants more <laughs> fat characters going on adventure quests with dragons. Yeah. Like, come on. Especially like for me, I'm not a big nonfiction person. I, I like a good fiction fantasy type narrative. I like a story and it's just sad. It's sad because it that is the one kind of um, like the hold the hold on like what do you what do you call it like the siege against against you know diverse diversifying representation in kidlet and I feel like we're getting a lot of these issue type stories that are mm -hmm. that are you know having more diverse representation but that kind of like classic fiction bedtime story it is still really dominated by like animals and white people that's that's like yeah. the nut to crack mm -hmm. um and actually I was just as you were talking I just remembered two more books that are not about food mm -hmm. but they do have some um body diversity in terms of size my hair by Hannah Lee and Alan Fatimaharan. Oh, that book is super cute. Not the child, but everybody else. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but quite a lot of people. And it's not about food, which is why that one stands out. 
I have some angst about the food association always being with these more mature women that are cooking in the kitchen because I think it's very anti-feminist and I think that it is very much feeding into a narrative of the choice and morality narrative around fatness which if you are a fat person I think you understand that it's really not a choice (laughs) and it's just the way that your body is and so I really have trouble with those and I sometimes it's the reason that I sometimes have trouble with food books to be totally honest and I yeah, there, I have some feelings around that and I'm not even sure I can particularly articulate every single one of them, but I think it plays into that narrative of choosing to be fat because you enjoy food. I think it plays into a narrative of um, food being a guilty pleasure that you should not enjoy. But the reality is we all need food to survive on a daily basis and we should enjoy it while we're eating it. There's no reason not to enjoy food. Oh, that was mind blowing. (laughs) I mean, like, can we do better than that? Yeah. Like, you know, honestly, I had never really thought of, you know, but I love food books more than Mm -hmm. I do know that you love food more than almost. And well, I keep saying I love this. I love that. I love a lot of things. One of them is food books. And I had never before thought about that relationship between fatness, morality, and food before now. Because to me, food books have always just been purely like what I associate with joy. And so it's really interesting to me to see that totally different frame on it of the, of, of that. It's, I'm just processing it. I think I think for me, and I mean, I'll clarify because I mean, this is an audio format as a podcast, but we're all big ladies. Um, But I think I'm the only one of the three of us that is that is all the way plus size and many clothing brands do not make my size. So um, so I think my my lens there is like, I won't let somebody take a picture of me eating and you'll never find a picture of me eating on the internet because I have way too many feelings about how I feel that I will be perceived because the only images in media that I'm used to of fat people are associated with like eating cake. So like, I just, I can't, I can't disassociate those feelings when Mm -hmm. I read food books and I understand that a central character is always this older fat woman (laughs) I've never blown Allie's mind in the middle of recording a podcast (laughs) well no you just you did blow my mind because it just now I I see these books in a completely different light and I'm like just rethinking about them completely I think that's one of the amazing things about recording this is that we've gone back and listened to some of our older episodes and even I've changed my mind since we've um, recorded them because information changes over time and perspectives change over my over time and you know I think one of the gifts of social media is getting a chance to hear um, other perspectives and I think perhaps that might be a good place to end this episode before we talk for four hours, because I know that we could talk for four hours. We could, I don't know if my poor uh, computer could handle that audio file, but (laughs) we absolutely could. 
So thank you so much for listening to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And all of our minds are blown, so we're going to go to bed. (laughs) But when you see us on Instagram, feel free to pop in the comments. Let us know. What are you reading? Do, 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 do